Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Okay, I'd like you to turn your Bibles tonight to, um, uh, let's see, to uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 8 again. Hebrews chapter 8. All right, now I want you, we want to read the two passages of, of Scripture tonight. So Hebrews chapter 8, which we read last week, and then back to First Peter, which is on your notes. Uh, this uh, Hebrews one is not on your notes, but we do need to uh, remind ourselves not to forget to remember what we shared last week. All right, so Hebrews 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through to 6. And I'm reading uh, from New King James here. Uh, All right, so New King James says, now this is the main point of the things which we are saying. Okay, we have such a high priest, so we have the thought of high priest or priestly ministry, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary, so second word we pick up there, sanctuary, and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both Gifts and sacrifices, and tonight we're going to be looking at uh, the spiritual sacrifices. Um, Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, as we said last week, uh, if, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest because the temple or the, uh, yeah, the temple of uh, Solomon what had been fixed up, was still standing. And uh, this was written before AD 70, before the Romans came in and destroyed the temple and the city, the sanctuary and everything like that. So if Christ was on earth, he would not be a priest. Since there are priests of the Levitical order and the Aaronic order who offer the gifts according to the law, who served the copy and shadow, and they were still carrying the shadow thing on until AD 70, God allowed the Roman armies to uh, just smash the whole thing. He served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern showed you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant. The next word, which was established on on better promises, the promises of God, not the promises of the people. Okay, four things I want to remind you of that we did last week. Uh, the order, and I'm putting it in the order for our studies here. I don't think the writer of the Hebrews will mind. He's not here. If he's looking down from heaven, I'm, I think he'll be pleased too. Okay, number one, we have covenant. So just to remind us what we did last week, number one, we have covenant. In this case, we're looking at the, the better covenant, the new covenant. So in verse 6, uh, he has obtained a more excellent ministry in as much as also the mediator of a better covenant. And the better covenant, number one, is the new covenant. How many are glad that we're under the new covenant and that we are new covenant believers? All right, number two, if you have a covenant, you must have a sanctuary. A sanctuary... And we pick that up in uh, verse uh, 2. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle. Not the tabernacle which the shadow on earth, but the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, the heavenly tabernacle. So uh, number two, we have the sanctuary. And then number three, we have the thought of priesthood. And uh, we see this in verse uh, Uh, Verse 1, again, we have such a high priest, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and who is seated as king priest, seated at the right hand of the throne. So as a king priest after the order of Melchizedek, he's seated on the throne. So he's a king priest. And then uh, in uh, verse 3, every high priest is appointed to offer. And then we come to number 4. Gifts and sacrifices. So the order we have here, and this is the order we've arranged for our session. Number one, the covenant, the new covenant. And if you have covenant, you must have sanctuary. And if you have sanctuary, you must have a ministering priesthood. And number four, if you have a priesthood, they must be able to offer sacrifices. That's what we're on tonight. So last uh, week in our second session, we looked at, uh, at uh, the... Uh, the priesthood. All right, now let's go over to Peter again, First Peter chapter 2, and this is on your notes here. 
How many are really getting something out of Peter? I mean, you, you can see, I mean, the more you study the Word and just see the themes through the Word of God uh, as part of the divine jigsaw puzzle, you see how inspired these writers were. And uh, Peter with just his little epistles here. Okay, so let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and we'll pick up in, uh, we'll pick up in verse 4 through a little bit here. And we see basically the same things here, except the word covenant is not used particularly in this passage. So it says, coming to him, uh, New King James here, as to a living stone, living stone by reason of the resurrection, rejected indeed of men. So the rejected stone, the stone which the builders rejected, uh, is chosen by God and precious. You also as lively stones, old King James says, living stones, uh, otherwise we're rolling stones, <laughs> But uh, we are living stones because Christ the living stone is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everybody said amen. amen. And then he says you're being built up a, 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 what's the first word there? Built up a, a spiritual house. Everybody say spiritual. Now it's really important to pick up this because see when Peter writes his epistle, uh, the temple has been destroyed and that was the house of God, the temple of Solomon. And so now Peter is emphasizing this word spiritual. You have built up a spiritual house. So if you have covenant, you must have a sanctuary or a spiritual house. Then the next thing he says, we looked at last week, a holy priesthood. And in verse, uh, verse 9, he says a, a, a royal priesthood. So kings and priests, order of Melchizedek, so a holy priesthood. And on my notes, I've put there spiritual house, spiritual priesthood. So a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, kings and priests, order of Melchizedek. As is the head, so is the body. As is Christ the head, so are the members of the body. You and I are after the order of Melchizedek. And then the part we're going to pick up tonight, and you'll notice the next use, uh, word of the spiritual. So you also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up, what's the next word there? No, not sacrifices. Spirit, uh, did you say spiritual? All right, everybody say spiritual. Okay, so back there, as we're going to see, they offered animal sacrifices. We are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. So if we're New Covenant believers and we'll build up a spiritual house, we looked at, uh, we didn't leave any stone unturned last week, did we? I don't think so. Just following that theme through the word. And then we are priesthood, a spiritual priesthood. Tonight we want to look at spiritual sacrifices. Okay, so that's what we're going to be taking up. Okay, now let's go to letter A here and the Old Testament sacrifices. So what I'd like you to do is uh, under Old Testament sacrifices, we have Leviticus chapters 1 uh, through to 7. So let's do our famous timeline here. And uh, what I'd like to do is just put the cross here. Now, as we go back to Leviticus chapter 1, and we're not going to uh, particularly do it, I'm just going to be, uh, mention it. There were one, two, three, four, five offerings there. And all of these five offerings, they all pointed to the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the picture that we have. All right, now, let me just say uh, what the offerings were here. So five of them, number five is the number of grace. It's the number of the atonement. Uh, we think of the five I wills of Satan who rose up and, and started the cross up in heaven, crossed God's will. And then I like what someone told me years ago. On, on the cross of, of Calvary, Jesus received five wounds. And his five wounds are the answer to the five I wills of Satan saying, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And so the five wounds of Jesus, that whole, whole number five is the number of grace, the number of atonement, and the, uh, the number of, of uh, his sacrifice. All right, so now, number one, and I'm just going to say the chapters without putting them up here, five offerings here. Number one was the burnt offering. Don't poke your husband or your wife for their cooking. Okay. All right. A burnt offering. And that was wholly given to God. Everything was given to God. The only part of that was given to the priest was the, uh, the skin. All right. Number two was the, uh, 
the meal offering, though it's called meat, it's not really meat, it's a grain offering, meal offering. So number one, the burnt offering, then number two, the meal offering. Then number three was the peace offering. And let me, let me just uh, throw one thing on over here because the offerings themselves are just uh, absolutely amazing. But only in the peace offering do you find this. Uh, the Lord said certain parts of the peace offering had to be put on the altar. Uh, a couple of parts were given to the priest and a couple of parts the offering himself could have. But the two parts of the offering that were given to the priest was the shoulder... The government will be upon his shoulder and then the breast, breastplate of, of love and faith and righteousness. So this is what the priest had to do. When he received the shoulder and received the, uh, the breast of the offering, he was to uh, 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 like fulfill, I know this might sound funny, but uh, he was to do a wave offering and a heave offering. Now the wave offering was to go back and forth, and in the Hebrews, to go to and fro. So it was a wave offering. And the heave offering, the shoulder, was to go up and down. And you know what he did when he did that? He actually made the sign of the cross. And it was only ever done in the peace offering. None of the other offerings. And Paul, because his mind as a a Hebrew believer is... uh, saturated with these things, maybe, maybe, I'll ask him when I get there, Uh, I'm going to ask Paul a lot of things, Uh, he says that when Jesus died on the cross, he made peace through the blood of his cross, only in the peace offering. So maybe the Bible could be inspired, what do you think? Everybody said amen? Yeah, so beautiful picture. So number three, the peace offering. Then number four was the sin offering. Number four was the sin offering. And then number five, uh, related to that, and there was a difference, is uh, there was the trespass offering. Sin, dealing with the root of sin. Trespass is what we commit sins, uh, to use some Pauline language. So five offerings. Now, as we look at those five offerings... When Jesus came and died, his offering, uh, he fulfilled this. He is the burnt offering. He is the meal offering, the bread of life. He is the the, uh, peace offering. Peace is made through the blood of the cross. Uh, He is the sin offering. He took our sins and our infirmities, and he is the trespass offering. So the five offerings pointed to the one offering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, on, the, on, on this side of the cross, you've got it there. You just put it on your diagram there. I want you to notice very briefly, because we've got a lot to cover here, uh, the difference here. Now, number one, the first thing we note about these offerings were they were all animal offerings, basically, except the, uh, the grain offering. But I want you to turn over to a verse that's not on your notes here. Turn to Psalm 118. And it relates to number one and number two. So number one, they were animal offerings. When Jesus was offered on the cross, and this is what you can put this side here. I'm not going to try, I'm right on the board, not too brilliant on that. His offering was a human divine offering. Now I'll come back to that in a moment. So contrast to animal offerings in the Old Testament before the cross, when we come to the New Testament offering, we have the, the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ, a human divine. Now, in the next number two here, as you turn to... Have you got Psalm 118? Okay. Uh, notice number two, they were unwill offering, unwilling offerings. And this is, gives you a clue here. Psalm 118 and verse 27, it says, God is the Lord which has showed us light, bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar. So when those animals, do you think any animal came voluntary to the altar and say, kill me? (laughs) How many think when they were bound to the horns of the altar, they were unwilling sacrifices? Okay, put the opposite here. What did Jesus say? Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. 
And one of the uh, Messianic Psalms says, I delight to do your will, O God. So Jesus was a willing sacrifice. So he's human divine sacrifice. Number two, he's a willing sacrifice. He willingly offered, not my will, but your will be done. Number three, on the left side of the cross, is it, they, it was a lower order of creation. Uh, just for those a little bit more studious, remember that on the sixth day of creation, beasts were created. So six is the number of beasts, and uh, man was created on the sixth day. That's why when you get to the book of Revelation, you see the man whose name is the beast, uh, he, he, he introduces the number 666. Because six is the number of beasts, six is the number of man, both beasts and man were created on the sixth day. So animals are a lower order of creation, they're lower than man. Man is a lower order than angels, you have made man a little lower than the angels, but animals are a lower order here, so the lower order. Jesus is of the highest order. So your contrast, he is the highest order, he's one of the Godhead, a person in the Godhead. Number four, those animal offerings, generally speaking, they were compulsory offerings. And so in one way, Jesus' offering was compulsory. Uh, I don't know how many of us are old enough. Maybe some of us remember that. How, how many remember a good old hymn, which was a little bit more theological than some of our stuff today? Thank you, Kevin. Um, <laughs> there is a green hill far away without a city wall, and the, the verses almost make me cry because one of them says, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. So if Jesus didn't die, who could? Because nobody born of Adam's race was sinless. So Jesus, it was compulsory that he die. That's why he... It's not that he was against the will of the Father. When he said, Father, if it's possible, if there's any other way to redeem man, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And there was no other way. It was compulsory. It was necessary for Jesus to die. So compulsory. Then number five, uh, there were some offerings that were voluntary. They were offered free will. Now, Jesus, his offering was compulsory, yet it was also voluntary. When he came into the world, he says, sacrifice an offering you would not, but I delight to do your will, O God. I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So it was voluntary, yet it was compulsory. Wow, what a picture. Now, let me just say one other thing here. When I said Jesus was human and divine... He was the God-man. Now, let me ask you a question because I'm talking to a very intelligent bunch of people. <laughs> very good response here, not too good over here. Talking to an intelligent bunch of people. Amen. Was Jesus a priest or was he the sacrifice? How many say both? Yeah, pat yourself on the back, A+. plus. Yeah, he was both. Do you know why he was both? Because he had human and divine nature. You see, in his human nature, he was the sacrifice. In his divine nature, he is the priest. So on Calvary, you've got to get this picture. On Calvary, Jesus as priest, in his divine nature as God, offered the human nature, sinless human nature, as a sacrifice. Now let me ask, because we'll be picking this up on our final Sunday next week. Um, how many here have human nature? How many are really born again? And when you were born again, you become partaker of the divine nature. So how many people have here two natures? Uh, yeah, one has to be crucified. And God wants the divine nature in us to overcome the human nature. And conquer sin. Can we say amen? amen? So we've got to understand that because I have a lot of friends of mine say, we've only got one nature, the divine nature. I said, well, what, do you sin? I said, yeah. Well, I said, how can the divine nature sin? 
No, the divine nature. We are partakers of the divine nature. We'll be dealing with that uh, next week in our final session, I think. Okay, so because Jesus is both priest, priest and sacrifice, he's humanly divine, he is the God-man. And that makes his offering and sacrifice far superior to all the millions of animal sacrifices ever offered. How many can say hallelujah? All right, that's a tremendous picture. So all the Old Testament sacrifices, they were unwilling. They had to be bound to the altar. And those animals were kicking and snorting and snuffing everything there because they didn't want to be killed. Jesus went to the cross willingly as a sacrifice for our sin. Wow. Don't you love him tonight? All right, now let's go to uh, uh, one other thing here. Now let's go to letter B now. Watching our time. New Testament sacrifices. Okay. Under this, number one, we've got, first of all, the sacrifice of Christ. I want to say a wee little bit more about that. And then number two, the sacrifice of believers. Spiritual sacrifices. All right, I'd like you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 now. So under the sacrifice of Christ, which we've commented on a bit... Under the sacrifice of Christ, Hebrews 9 and 10, I want you to pick up uh, two particular words here. And, uh, and to me, this is so important, and uh, it, it's given me much more of a value for when we have communion together. So Hebrews chapter 9. Now, as you go through Hebrews chapter 9, you've got on your notes there, number one, the sacrifice of Christ, Hebrews chapters 9 and 10. Now, the key word in Hebrews chapter 9 is the word blood. And please, if you're taking down notes, I'd like to encourage you. The word blood is used at least 12 times in this chapter alone. We haven't got time to go through all the references, but note verse 7. But into the second part of the the tabernacle, uh, it's referring to, the high priest went alone once a year, and I've underlined the next three words, not without blood. Everybody say that with me. Not without blood. So if Aaron the high priest had dare enter from the outer court into the holy place and into the most holy place without blood, he would have been blasted way down under. I mean down under, you know, not just Australia. Because God said, not without blood. I remember one minister when I was pastoring a smaller church in Bendigo a hundred years ago, uh, he told his congregation, thank God I'm not saved by the blood of any man. I thought, God help you. If you're not saved by the blood of any man, you're not saved. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin, as we said last week. That's why God did not accept Cain's grain offering, because the approach to God was first through blood. And Cain's offering was bloodless. It was a grain offering. Fruit of a cursed earth, but no blood. And so Hebrews chapter uh, 9, the key word there is blood. And if if you have time between now and the coming of Jesus, underline every reference to blood. Let's go down to verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. Not with the blood of animals, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once fall, having obtained eternal redemption. So two things I've underlined. Verse 7, not without blood. And then number, verse 12, with his own blood. So this may, may be shocking statements, but this is the advanced class. You see, the only sinless blood that will ever maintain in the universe is the blood of Jesus. Because you see, our blood is the source of sin, sickness, disease, and death, and every corrupt thing, our blood. We are born to die. Sorry about that, unless Jesus comes, unless we see the uptake and not the undertaker. I mean, we'd like to see the (laughs) uptake, yeah. So all our blood is sinful and is disease-ridden. His was the only sinless blood in the universe, and do you know why? Where does the blood come from in the natural? It comes from the Father. Did you know where Jesus got his blood from? Put it down. It's not on your notes. Acts chapter 20, verse 8. Acts 20, verse 8, where the blood of Jesus is referred to as the blood of God. So Jesus got his blood from the Father. It's the blood of God. That's why it's sinless blood. Now, please note there's a little bit of theology. He got his body from uh, Mary, but he got his blood 
from the Father God. So that's why he could offer sinless blood when I see the blood. So it makes the blood very precious. How many can say amen? Yes. Then the next key, uh, so the blood altogether in chapter 9 and 10 is used 15 times in all, but 12 times in chapter 9. Now, the key thought of the next chapter, Hebrews 10, is the body. And it's the body of Jesus, and it's used at least a couple of times here. But let's go to uh, uh, verse 5. So underline the word body. Now, the reason I'm saying this is, God was very particular, very exacting about the offerings here, what happened to the body and blood. So the body and blood of the burnt offering, body and blood of the peace offering, body and blood of the sin and trespass, God was very particular. And he did certain things. It's too vast a study, but just to show you, you know, that God had something in mind. So let's go to verse 5, Hebrews 10. Therefore, when he came into the world... And how did he come into the world? Through the virgin birth. Therefore, when he came into the world, he says, sacrifice an offering you did not desire. Now, he did in the Old Testament. But Isaiah says in chapter 1 and chapter 66, he was never pleased with it. Even though he ordained it, he was never pleased with those things. When John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, it's like the father couldn't restrain himself. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I was never pleased with the very things I ordained because animal sacrifices and animal blood can never wash away our sins. Let me come back to that in a moment. But when he came into the world, how? By the incarnation, he says, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body. Nine months in the virgin's womb. That body was being prepared. Wow. A body you have prepared for me. So everywhere Jesus went in his earthly walk, the Father could say, this is the Lamb of God. This is my sacrifice. I wasn't pleased with the things I ordained, but this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's worth a little hallelujah. Not too emotional here. Okay. It was the body of Jesus in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Oh, you ordained it. Yeah, but I didn't have pleasure in it. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it's written to me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that's the first of the old covenant, that he may establish the second, the new covenant, by the which, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So to me, when we have communion, it's very important that Jesus and the disciples understood it when Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body. Let's say the words. That's what the Bible says. This is my body broken for you. And when he took the cup, he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. So we partake of the body and blood. And Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you've got no life in you. You know, I probably shouldn't say this. No, I'll sneak a little minute. You see, I came from a particular church where we didn't believe in communion. And then I came into a Pentecostal church somewhere, and every Sunday, through fear, I think, the minister would get up and say, now we're going to have the communion this morning, nothing in the bread, nothing in the cup, let's look away to Jesus. Now you put yourself in my position, I've come from a denomination where we didn't believe in communion, and now I come into a Pentecostal church where they do believe in communion, say, nothing in the bread, nothing in the cup. And I used to think in my poor little mind as a bit of a kid, 24 years of age, I was, wasn't I? Yeah. Oh, Lord, nothing in the bread, nothing in the cup. Bless this nothing. May we get nothing out of it. And you see, most people get nothing out of it because we're frightened to say the words of Jesus, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood. How many hear what I'm saying? See? Because that table is representing 
all that we're talking about here. All right, that must have been for somebody, I don't know who. But blood is the key word and thought in chapter 9 and body in, the new, in, the, uh, in, the, in, in chapter 10, used time. So the body and blood. God was very particular about the body and blood. Okay, put down, though we'll refer to it and then move on. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 to 26. Daniel 9, 24 to 26. That when Jesus died on the cross, one of the clauses of uh, the notable 70-week prophecy, he would cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And so when Jesus died on the cross, as I said last week, I would not like to have been the priest over in the temple as uh, he's offering the evening sacrifice when it's just like the father tore the veil from top to bottom and said to the priest, you're out of a job. These sacrifices out here, the great high priest after the order of Melchizedek is hanging on the cross. You're, you're out of a job. No wonder it says in Acts chapter 6 somewhere that many of the priests became obedient to the faith. They suddenly woke up. Well, if God has torn the veil of the temple from top to bottom, we're out of a job. Let's go and get into the Melchizedek priesthood and accept Jesus. Hallelujah. Well... Don't you feel good? Okay, number two is our major one now. All right, sacrifices of believers. But how many appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus? That's ever fresh. When, when, when John sees a lamb before the throne, uh, Revelation and the Greek of the thing is, he saw a lamb before the throne as if it had been freshly slain. The atonement of Jesus will be eternally fresh. It'll never become stale. So as I said, if there's nothing in communion, why have it? That's why a lot of people get nothing out of it. No, there is something in it. All right. Okay, number two, sacrifices of believers. Now, we've already referred to that scripture. We are a royal priest, a holy priest, a spiritual house, spiritual priesthood. We're safe to put that in there. And we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices, not animal sacrifices, but we offer up animal sacrifices. Uh, uh, go back to First Peter chapter 2 real quickly. And uh, if I was reading this, First Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse 5 again. Where are we? First Peter chapter 2. Are you feeling good tonight? Wow. So to offer up spiritual sacrifice. Now, if I was reading that under Old Covenant, I'd say, you also as dead stones uh, build up a material house, uh, unholy priesthood to offer up animal sacrifices unacceptable to God through Aaron, the high priest. But we're not. We're new covenant believers. So you're lively stones. You build up a spiritual house, a spiritual, holy priesthood, offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All right, now, let's just touch on these briefly. And we're not going to be able to read all the scriptures, but I do hope that you will do that. Now, what I'd like to do as much as possible, I'd like to um, identify a Bible character uh, with each one of these sacrifices where possible. Okay. All right. So number one, you fill in here. The first sacrifice is, and you should have it up there, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Sacrifice of thanksgiving. I'd like to encourage you to uh, read the scriptures because uh, we're not going to have that type of, type of time for, but the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I've written out the scriptures a little bit myself. You know, Psalm 104, for instance, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And Psalm 116, you've got that on your notes there. I will offer the sacrifices of thanksgiving and call upon his name. So as you go through Leviticus, any Israelite, and maybe that's your fill in on that part there, any Israelite, any believer, under the new covenant can offer the thanksgiving. You know, we are living in a thankless age. Young people today and old people take everything for granted. They don't even say thanks. You know, I know it might sound silly, but even at home when I have a glass of water, three, holy, three glasses of holy water I have in the morning, I thank the Lord for everyone. You know, because they could be poisoned. Who knows? <laughs> I say, thank you, Lord. Sanctify this in my body. Thank you for this. Uh, just, just to have a spirit of thankfulness 
and be grateful, not take things for granted. You know, thank people. My wife thanks me if I open the door now and then uh, when I forget, you know. Uh, give thanks to the Lord always. So many, many scriptures. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. We're living in an unthankful generation that just takes things for granted. So any Israelite, any believer, so go through those scriptures. Number two, watching our time here, Number two, the sacrifice of joy. And the one I put there on a character is uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Remember, uh, the sacrifice of joy. And Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Uh, at that time, the people had come out of Babylon captivity and uh, they were rebuilding the temple and they were very sad. Many of them were weeping and say, this temple is nothing compared to what we saw under Solomon's time and that time, and they're weeping. And, and, and Nehemiah said, look, stop weeping. This is a time of joy. And he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, is that just spiritual? I think it includes both. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So it's a sacrifice. Sometimes you feel like rejoicing. Well, do. It's a sacrifice of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalms 27 and verse 6 says, I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Please, you must read the scripture. And remember we said last week, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So for good measure. So... King of righteousness, king of peace, order of Melchizedek, and the kingdom is like the king. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Uh, a joyful church is a healthy church. Amen. And uh, I do think there's a lot of joy in this place. I mean, you mightn't look that way tonight. I can't, you can't help your face. But generally, we are... And, and, and one of the things when we used to do on uh, uh, welcoming people, uh, some of the elders said to me at the time, oh, we should save time in the meeting, you know, not take time to greet people. I said, hey, some people remember that. Yeah. You know, a friend of mine, he's gone to be with the Lord now, and uh, he went to a church here in Melbourne that makes it very bored, and the motto of the church was, here ends your search for the friendly church. He'd been there 20 times and not one person had shaken hands with him. Wow. Hey? Okay, so something about friendliness that people don't get. It's a joy. The joy of the Lord. Amen? All right. Number, number three. Oh, who, I gave you Nehemiah on this. Okay, the sacrifice, number three, the sacrifice of praise. Uh, how many are old enough to remember that? We bring the sacrifice of praise of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer unto you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer unto you the sacrifices of prayer. Not too bad, is it, right? Eh? We're goldy oldies, some of us, aren't we? But it's true. Sacrifice of prayer. And you know who? Uh, I put the scripture down. You must read it uh, before Jesus comes. Paul and Silas. You think of Paul and Silas. They're thrown into the inner prison. They're in stocks, you know, and, and the way they did the stocks there, your arms were in, in the, uh, the, the, the wooden things and your legs were there. And then just at midnight, when they've been beaten, Silas says to Paul, let's sing a song. And what does Paul say? I don't feel like it. <laughs> no. And what they do, they began to sing and praise the Lord. And, and God heard this noise and he started tapping his feet. And then he tapped so much, it caused an earthquake. <laughs> you know, when the Sunday school teacher asked the boy, who did the damage? He said, God, I didn't do it. Yeah. Busted the prison open and what happened? The jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And he's not talking about being saved from the earthquake. And he and his whole household were baptized that night. Hallelujah. Uh, I mean, that must have been a sacrifice. You can't go by feelings. They're beaten in stocks and everything like that. It was a sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. All right, number four. 
We're doing okay? Number four, where are we up to? It's the sacrifice of righteousness. And the one I had on that was, and you can look up these scriptures on this, where it says we give, give to God the sacrifice of righteousness uh, and so forth. I put down Noah, and if you want to Genesis t- uh, chapter 7 verse 2, and remember Noah was living in an evil generation. Yet God said to him, Noah, I found you righteous in this generation. And I'm sure it must have been a sacrifice. When you're building an ark, ark there for how many of years it uh, took, I mean, the Spirit of God was striving 120 years. We don't know how long it took the ark to be built, but uh, you think of the three kids, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham's always in the middle, even in a sandwich. But um, <laughs> what's your dad doing? Oh, my dad's a builder. What's he building? Um, 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 uh, a boat. A boat? Why? Well, there's rain going to come. And remember, there'd been no rain from Adam through to Noah. It was a new thing. How, how many would feel a bit idiotic? Yeah. Oh, I'm ashamed of my dad. He's gone loco. No, 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 no. But sacrifice. Okay, number five, the sacrifice of obedience. You must read the scriptures. I know I keep saying that. Sacrifice of obedience. So read the scriptures. So uh, the one I put down there was Samuel. You see, the issue is by one man's disobedience, sin entered the world. And by one man's obedience, can many be made righteous? And as I said, I think last week or one of these weeks, uh, Andrew Murray says, Christ died to bring us back to the obedience from which Adam fell. That's it. To be obedient to his word. And it is a sacrifice. We're living in a wild, disobedient, lawless generation. And it's hard. It's hard being a Christian. I find it hard being a Christian. Any dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live fish to swim upstream. (laughs) Anyway, you got that. So I put down Samuel on that, and he said to Saul... Has the Lord a great uh, delight in sacrifices as in obedience? Samuel said, oh, I mean, Saul said, look, we kept the, sacri- the animals to sacrifice to the Lord. And Samuel rebuked him and said, it's obedience God wants. He said, I have obeyed. He said, you have not obeyed. He said, well, I feared the people and obeyed their voice. The, the issue is obedience. All right, number six. The sacrifice of a broken and contrite spirit. I think you got yeah, a couple of spaces there. Sacrifice of a broken and contrite spirit. Uh, let's go over to Psalm 51 on this one. And I, I've been doing, I encourage you to read the scriptures. But sometimes it's good just to hang a character study on some of these abstract truths. All right, uh, Psalm 51, and who's the psalm written by? Okay, so David, your character. Now, you'll notice in the uh, superscription to the chief musician, uh, musician, the psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came came unto him after he'd gone into Bathsheba. So after he committed adultery and murdered uh, 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 her husband, he comes to repentance says, I've sinned, verse 4, against thee, only, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in, in your sight. And verse 5, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. And then notice in verse 6, you desire truth in the inward parts. And then he goes down to um, verse we want, verse 16 and 17. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. Now, God ordained all those things, and the easiest thing for King David to cover up would have been to go on to the priest and said, look, I've messed up morally, but uh, offer a sacrifice for me and pronounce me forgiven. But David, real, even though he was under all these old sacrifices and under the law, he said, you do not desire sacrifice. Oh, I could give it. I, I'm king. You do not delight in burnt offering. And he could have given that, and just the priest could have said, oh, you're the king, you're forgiven, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or whatever. 
Verse 17 is it. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Wow, what a challenge. So it's what we are on the inside. And we can say amen. All right, sacrifice of broken, contrite spirit. Uh, number, number seven, sacrifice of hospitality. This is found in Hebrews chapter 13, 16. Let me just read, and uh, some of your translations may vary, but uh, let me read that. Hebrews chapter 13, and verse 16, verse 16 is, yeah. Uh, so he says here, But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Uh, 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 New King James puts it this way, but do not forget to do good and share. has to do with sharing, uh, mainly hospitality. So one of the characteristics of an elder uh, and uh, must be hospitable, hospitality. All right, number, number eight here. Yeah, distributing through the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Uh, elders must be given to and lover of hospitality. I've written out the scriptures, so because of time. Okay, number eight now, the sacrifice of uplifted hands. Uplifted hands, and uh, you've got the verse there. Samuel, David. Oh, under hospitality, I had Abraham and Sarah. I remember the character. Because uh, when the Hebrew writer writes, he says, uh, we must not uh, be forgetful to minister to uh, uh, strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares, uh, Abraham and Sarah. Genesis 18, if you want that. All right, then the next one, number eight, the sacrifice of uplifted and surrendered hands I've got here. And let me read that scripture. So what does he say? And I think we read this last week. Uh, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, part of the priestly ministry, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. I think I said this last week too, so bear me repeating. I mean, a lot of people, when they've come to uh, Waverly Christian Fellowship or City Life, um, we say, let's lift up our hands to the Lord. So, well, I'm not going to lift up my hands unless I feel led. And what I illustrate, so if somebody came behind you with a gun and said, stick them up, you wouldn't say, I don't feel led. You would. Bang. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the Bible says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and let the lifting up of my hands be as the evening sacrifice. And you see, sometimes it's pride. Well, I'm not going to lift my hands and make a fool of myself. And I've seen people over the years, not here, none of you, because I'm so old. <laughs> and eventually, they surrender. It's an act of surrender, lifting up of hands. Uh, and the one I had there, uh, Moses. You may remember, I'll give you the illustration, Exodus chapter 17, Exodus 17 verses 8 to 16, and uh, when uh, they were fighting a, ba a battle against Amalek, uh, Moses went up the top of the mount, they sat him on a rock, pointed to Jesus, and as long as he held up his hands, there was victory in the camp, but when his hands hung down, silly thing, an old man, you know, Hundred years of age, lifting up. Yeah. And then when he got tired, he had Aaron and her come and hold his hands up. How many think that was a sacrifice? Say, oh, I'm getting tired. I mean, let shoot off a few. Who cares? I'm tired. <laughs> They're a murmuring bunch anyway, you know. I've had Helen. Anyway, that's enough of that. Okay, so Moses. And then uh, number nine here, number nine. The sacrifice of tithes and offerings. So giving our tithes and offerings. And of course the one I put down there is good old Malachi. And you see a tithe, you know, people say, well, there's no scripture in the New Testament to tithe. Say, so, hey, a tithe is a teacher to give. 
All that we have belongs to the Lord in the New Testament, but under the law. And I say, look, if they were willing to give a tenth under compulsion, under compulsion in the Old Testament, how much more should we give? So, and I, I like two little words here. It says, Abraham gave tithes. It says, Levi paid tithes. Now, some people pay tithes. Well, I pay tithes if it kills me. I don't pay tithes. I give. I give tithes and offerings. Then I've been living on means pension for years. It's fun. Okay, that's enough on that. Okay, uh, so Malachi and number, number 10, the last one, and then uh, we've got to take a break. Okay, the sacrifice of our bodies to know God's will. And remember this one, that we are to present ourselves a living sacrifice, not dead, too late then, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, and we present our bodies. Uh, and the one I put down there was Solomon. Solomon, and uh, for those who know the word a little bit more, one of the greatest things was when Solomon, in the dedication of the temple, he actually built an uh, 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 altar in the middle of the court and it was five cubits by five cubits by three cubits. And in, in his dedicatory prayer, he got up on that altar, knelt down, lifted up his hands to the Lord and prayed. Do you know what? When you have the tabernacle of Moses, you find that the brazen altar in the tabernacle of Moses was five by five by three. And he was actually presenting his body a living sacrifice to God. A few years later, he forgot it. One more scripture. Turn over this one, and then we're going to take our break. Second, Chroni uh, Second Samuel, chapter 24. What, what does the word sacrifice really involve? One more scripture here. Second Samuel, chapter 24, 24. And uh, David is here. And uh, Arana, I think his name is, something like that, he's offered the king the price where the temple's going to be. And, you know, he said, I'm going to give it to you for nothing. And listen to David's word in Samuel 24, 24. Then the king said to Arana, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Uh, king says the full price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, with that which costs me nothing. That's it. A sacrifice costs you something. Don't be like the rich young ruler when he came running to Jesus and said, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord said, sell all you have, give it to the poor, take up your cross, follow me. And when he heard that, he went away sad. And let me tell you, Jesus didn't run after him. He wanted a Christianity that cost him nothing. Wow. If you've enjoyed today's teaching by Kevin Connor, be sure to check out his books, available from word.com.au in Australia, amazon.com all over the world, and now downloadable as PDFs on kevinconnor.org.